Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, joined alongside by Jason, as always, and it's been quite a week for the Bruins. Not much news-wise to talk about here, but a great week, nonetheless, for the Bruins fans and the standings. Uh, if, you, if you notice right now, and you're clicking on the standings for the Atlantic Division, you'll notice the Boston Bruins are in first place for the first time all season long. No, that's awesome. It's great to see them in first place. I mean, they should have had that Hurricanes win, but they came out dead like it, not like we can blame them with how hard they've been playing. But it's great to see them in first place, I especially with the schedule ahead. Especially when you and I were talking just last month about how they got absolutely smoked by the Kings 9-2, and now you see the Bruins, you look up, and they're in first place. You just go, whoa. No, you do, you do go, whoa, because it's like in such a bad division bad conference you know they're sitting in first place in the division and you just hope that they play like a first place team in the division you hope that they're a team that's finding legs later on in the season yeah exactly you hope hopefully they can keep it up is pretty much what i'm saying as well um also kevin miller which who was reportedly after after the washington capitals game when ovechkin hit miller into the boards i it looked really bad for Kevin Miller. It looked like his shoulder, and he was probably going to be out for quite some time. But it ends up he's only day-to-day. And Claude Julian was saying that earlier on this week against the Florida teams that Kevin Miller was just day-to-day. They'll keep reevaluating them as the days go on. But, I mean, I obviously don't wish injury upon anyone, but I was hoping he was out maybe a little bit longer. But also, it just shows how tough hockey players are and that I couldn't believe the report that said he was a couple – that he was day to day after he was there were reports coming out from last week that was pretty much saying he was in the hospital. It was the same shoulder he got surgery on. I was thinking, okay, he's probably gonna be out for the year. You know, that's what the surprising thing is, and yes, he's only been injured for a little while, but a lot of people are mad because Ovechkin didn't get suspended for it. And and you know what? I don't care if he gets suspended for it or not, but I would at least make a a phone call to him and be like, listen, like. Like, player safety called Michael Lyles. They called all these different players. They're calling everyone. Like, this week it seemed like player safety had a phone call with quite a few people. And it's like, why can't you just say, you know what, we're going to make the call to Ovechkin, even though if we're not going to suspend him, at least we're just going to say, you know what, we made the call. There's going to be no more discipline. But at least it puts – at least it makes me at least feel a lot better about it because they at least said we noticed it. We're going to address it. Even though he's one of our stars, he's not going to get special treatment. But I just feel like if that was Marshan that did that hit, or Chara, or someone that's, that's been suspended before, or someone that's a physical-type player who's not a quote-unquote star of the league, I just feel like that would be a, a definite hearing and maybe even a game suspension. You brought up a good point when you said star of the league, because I was thinking the same thing. Like It's almost as if the NHL is playing favorites. Yeah, and I don't think the NHL should be allowed to do that, and... That, and I get it, Ovechkin, by me and you love Ovechkin. We talk about how much we love Ovechkin on this show quite a few times when they've played the Capitals, when Ovechkin's gotten to 40 goals and 500 career goals. We, we, me and you both say, talk about how much we love Ovechkin as a player. He plays hard, he plays tough, but why? I just don't think it's all right for Ovechkin to do that and then not get a phone call hearing when if it was Marshan, he probably would have been suspended for like four games. Exactly, and you and, – um... And I agree with that point 100% that he should have at least gotten a phone call. I mean, he wasn't even penalized for the play. Yes, he was. So. He was penalized for the play. He was? Yes. He's in the box for five minutes. Oh, that's right. I take that back. He was. And that's all he got. So maybe that's how the NHL looked at it. Yeah, maybe. But what if that was Ronaldo that did that hit? 
Well, that's different. And I, I know Ronaldo's a knucklehead, and I know he has a history of being suspended. But if that's Zach Ronaldo, he's getting at least a phone call. And I'm not saying to suspend Ovechkin. I don't think that I think Ovechkin did try to lay up, and I think he, but he did hit him into the boards, but from behind. At least make yes, the phone. No, at least I, I would at least have gone with the phone call just for the sake of sake, for the sake of telling the fans, hey, we're doing something. Yeah, just to be like, all right, he, even though he's Ovechkin, he's not going to get special privileges. Exactly. But, I mean, I, I think this is good news for the Bruins' defense. To be honest, I'm not really impressed with Trotman or Joe Morrow. And th- it makes me even angry not to see Colin Miller called up because he, they keep playing Trotman and Morrow. And I get it. It's probably because of the contracts and who can be sent down and who can't and who has to be placed on waivers to be sent down. But I just don't think Morrow or Trotman have it. No, they don't. They don't have it. But you you said something that makes sense, the contracts and all that, and maybe that's why you wonder why the Bruins aren't sending people down because they they think that they send down one of these players, another team's going to take them, and I'm sure they don't want another mistake like Craig Cunningham and all the other players that they sent down last year. Yeah, they, they lost quite a few players on waivers last year, didn't they? Yes, they placed Craig Cunningham and uh, Matt Fraser. Matt Fraser, correct. So yeah, two of those players, and and they haven't. The Bruins did the same thing this year to Detroit when Detroit was trying to do it. With Lennon Ferraro, so you, I, they, you're trying to be you to be careful with who you place on waivers. I understand that, but we we have seen Zach Trotman and we have seen Joe Morrow for a decent amount this season, and I just don't see how much better they are going to get. And I don't no, I don't I mean don't that in a, I don't mean that in a, I don't mean it in like a bad way or I'm not trying to slight them. I just don't think they're top four defensemen. You know what I mean? I think Colin Miller has a potential to grow into a top pair defensemen. I just don't see that with Joe Morrow and Zach Trotman. I think they are what they are. No, that's exactly what Cam Neely said last week. They are what they are. And, you know, right now I think that the Bruins are just riding out the season with them for the sake of riding out the season with them. Yeah, that's... If you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that's what I'm kind of basing it off, too, is is listening to Cam Neely. Like, I don't, I don't think that these... not. Nearly looks at the Bruins and, Bruins and says, "Okay, we're a Stanley Cup team." I think at this point they're thinking, "Right it out, see how far we can go." I think that's and that's the approach I've been trying to say to you all year is that the, even though the Bruins are a Stanley, I don't think the Bruins are the Stanley Cup favorite by any means. I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, and I have said that to you numerous times in the show. But why not see what you got with this team? Let try not. You're gonna. Cause it looks like the Bruins are going to make the playoffs. It look. It, it's looking that way. Unless the Bruins lose like eight of their next ten, it looks like the Bruins will make the playoffs. But I wouldn't put it past this team because they've been so up and down. But why not get in and see how far you can go? You you just beat the past, You just beat two teams in your division the past few nights. Even though we'll get into that a little bit later. But that's what I've been trying to tell you is that this Bruins team does have some good players and they can compete, especially if the goaltenders keep playing the way they're playing. Yes, they can compete. You just wonder if they want to show up every single night. I mean, they've played great lately, so I'm not gonna hammer them too hard right now, but you just you just wonder if come playoffs, if this is going to be the same team come playoffs, or if the other teams are going to step it up. But you know what I, I like about this stretch for the Bruins, though, and like me and you talk, discussed how difficult the Bruins' schedule is going to be, is that they're playing playoff teams every night. So it's been a battle every night. That game against Tampa was a playoff-like game, playoff-like atmosphere. And that game was beautiful. And I just think, could have gone either and way. I just think the Bruins playing these good teams and playing playoff teams, teams, even Carolina, they're not that far from a playoff spot. So Carolina's pretty much playing for their lives, too. So I think the Bruins playing all these good teams is really going to help them come playoff time. I'd rather be playing all these teams than playing Toronto, Buffalo, and all these teams in the bottom of the league that aren't going to be in the playoffs. Yes, but the difference between the playoffs and right now is the fact that you're playing the same team for at least four to seven games, and you have to wonder if the Bruins can handle the adjustments that the other teams make if these teams do make adjustments in back-to-back nights. Right, we'll talk about that, obviously. As we'll worry about that later, yeah, but we'll it's, just, it's, they, it's, a lot, it's something to think about we'll see who they draw in the when first you look at this Bruins team. We'll see who they draw in the first round there. But um, well, I, the thing I want to ask you about, too, is uh Rask. He's been absolutely sensational lately. And even Gustafson, when he came in for the other day against Tampa, was absolutely insane. And we, and we talked about how the Bruins' defense, obviously, is their weakest point of the team. They struggle on defense. Don't like Everyone knows that. And the Bruins have been giving up a decent amount of shots. But I said this to you, too. I said this as well. If Tukarask can play 
the way he's capable of playing. And I know sometimes Rass doesn't play up to his standard, just like all the players don't play up to their standards. But I think Rass has been great lately. And I think he's been keeping the Bruins in games. He's been saving the Bruins big in. And I think if this is the two Rash you're going to get for a playoff run, boy, it could be great to see. It would be great to watch. I mean, the Bruins are giving up a lot of shots. And I, like I said, I, I, I wonder about that. I'm excited for the playoffs of the Bruins make it because I want to see what they can do. Because you can't predict it. Right. Tuukka Rask is playing great, but you really you can't predict today in in April and May. No, so you can't. I'm excited. I think that the Bruins can make a run with Tuukka Rask no. if Tuukka Rask plays like he's been playing lately, though. No, I definitely don't think you can make predictions now. It's obviously too difficult. You have to see if anyone gets injured, see how the Bruins are playing and how the other team they're playing in the first-round matchup is playing at the end of the year. But the one thing I'm a little wary about and cautious about is if the Bruins keep giving up more than 40 shots, they did it against Tampa Bay, they did it against... I mean, look at that Florida, Florida game. They're, they're giving up way too many shots, way too many quality shots. And for some reason, it always seems like the Bruins have like a 10-minute or a period lapse where you just sit there and you just go, what the hell are we watching? You just look at that Florida game. And that's what makes you wonder. Yes, definitely. Definitely keep... It's definitely key. They were up four to one, three to three to zero, four to one. And they still managed to give that up. Yeah, and Bergeron even said after the game, he kind of was like, "Yeah, we kind of just like took our foot off the gas." And you know what? You can't do that. And you, you should, especially this team. This team's not good enough to do that. And if it was a team, if it, this was a team from 2011, and they were like, "Yeah, we know four to one, took our foot off the gas," you'd be like, "Okay, whatever," because that team was good. That team knew how to win. That team knew how to play defense. This team can't do that. They need to work for everything they get. And that's why when I heard that quote, I was like, you guys aren't good enough to be doing that, Bergeron. And I know Bergeron knows, but other players on the team definitely took it for granted that they were up 4-1 to after the first period and just said, you know what, it's not a big deal. And that's what I mean. And you know what, I, I, I like Florida. Watching that game, I like Florida. I think Florida's gotten a lot better. I think and think that Florida, that, that game they lost was one of those quote-unquote scheduled losses due to their schedule. You know how the Bruins were supposed to have their scheduled loss right. back a few weeks ago. Yep. It was one of those scheduled losses, but Florida still managed to keep up with them. Yeah, Florida's got a good young team, and they have a lot of young, skilled forwards. But So, uh, it's going to be... The Bruins division, even though the Bruins division hasn't been the best all season long, I still think it's going to be very competitive. And like I think any of the four teams that end up in the playoffs from the Bruins division could make it, the, could make it all, all the way. And by all the way, I mean the conference finals, obviously, and then I mean maybe even the Stanley Cup finals. I don't think any of the teams in the East can be well, m- minus Washington. I don't think any of the teams in the East can be any of the teams in the West, especially if you're going to play uh, Anaheim or LA. I don't see any of the, anyone beating LA. Uh, if you if you've watched the way LA has played lately, Anaheim's hot. And so, yes, that too. That's why I say they're both. I don't see the these teams beating the Western team. Yeah, the the Western Conference obviously is loaded, but you know what? Anything can happen. That's what makes, that's what makes hockey great. No, I don't think anyone thought the Bruins were going to beat Vancouver, and they ended up doing it. I was yeah. just going to say that. I was just going to say it didn't, the same thing. In no way said the Bruins could beat Vancouver, and the Bruins managed to do it. Yeah, so it's going to be. That's why I always let the Stanley Cup the Stanley Cup play out because you know what? Tampa Bay was Tampa Bay battled hard last year against Chicago. Oh, they did. Tampa Bay fought hard. And although I have a bunch of other news in the back of my head as we do this show that I want to bring up, too, but we'll do that later. But, you know, they got John and Drew back in the AHL. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll touch on all the um, the around the NHL stuff later on. But, uh, uh, but yes, Tuka Rask can, can keep playing the way he's playing. I think it's going to be good for the Bruins, obviously, because the Bruins are going to need him. I think he's their most important player besides maybe... Bergeron, obviously. If Bergeron, if I think, and you know what, I, I'm gonna pick on Krejci a little bit here. I've been obviously big on Krejci, and I think Krejci's been, I think Krejci's one of the most underrated and undervalued players the Bruins have. And because people, every time someone talks about trading someone, the first time, the first name someone brings up is always David Krejci. And I sit there and I say the Bruins wouldn't be as good of a team without David Krejci. And everyone's just like, oh, move Spooner up, move Spooner up, and I'm just like. We did that before. Spooner was putting up points, but the Bruins were losing games. Without Krejci, they were losing games. And and I know I'm not, I'm not just saying David Krejci is the reason they're winning games, but I think David Krejci helps out the team a lot, but he has to pick up his play. I don't think he's been playing as – I don't think he's been playing that great as of late, the past probably two or three, four weeks, maybe a month. 
he hasn't looked like himself. He needs to pick it up. If the Bruins want to go far, he needs to pick it up. You know what? I wasn't expecting that from you the way that I thought that, that discussion was going. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing myself. you barely seen him, and up until you just brought up his name, I didn't even think of David Krejci. Yeah, I kind of went all... Like, it's as if... And that dude thinks this, that Krejci's kind of sort of been lost without Horton. I kind of, yeah. You know, you have that I kinda, constant winger moving and no Horton. I kind of went on a little, little, little um, rant there about all over the place about David Krejci, but I love Krejci. That's why I wouldn't trade him, but I'm just trying to give him a little, I think he needs a little kick in the rear end. And it's tough, though, because like you said, he's he's been having in he's been having different line mates almost every season now for the past four seasons. And... It's, obviously, it's not fair to him. I feel like he's never he never has a set line like Bergeron always has Marchand. They they're inseparable, but I feel like Krejci never has that type player. And he ha- not since Horton exactly. And Horton and Lucic since that line in 2010 2011, and then since then it's always been a revolving door around Krejci. And I think that the Bruins really need to get someone to play alongside David Krejci. And I'm not using this as an excuse of why he's not playing well because he needs to pick it up. But I just think. Krejci is one of the most crucial parts for the Bruins to make a long to make a stretch run in the playoffs. If if Krejci keeps for the right for the right now, I would agree that they need to find someone with Krejci. But you know what? We'll discuss long term later. But it's in the back of my head to long term maybe consider trading him if they have another center in the system that can come up. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how the Bruins prospects fare. Obviously, we'll get we're gonna get into the Bruins prospects report today. If, um, if, you got, if you're listening now, because as Jason and I said, it wasn't really a big news week. And we haven't touched on the Providence Bruins and the junior in the junior team. Uh, excuse me. The Bruins draft picks in juniors as well. So we'll touch on that. So please stay tuned for that in the upcoming bit. But let's break down the games now, Jason. So the Bruins uh, played Florida and they played Tampa Bay back-to-back Monday and Tuesday. And they played Carolina on Thursday. The Bruins went 2-1. and one. I was hoping to go 3-0. And of course, for the for the Bruins not to go three and zero, they lose to the the worst team out of the three. To be honest, even though Carolina's been playing better, they're they're playing they play tough, they play hard. They're, I think they're well coached. I I forget who their coach's name is, but I think they're a really well coached team. They have good goaltending and Cam Ward. But that was the game the Bruins should have won. But let's start in Florida. The Bruins come out and literally from the puck drop, it seemed like Roberto Luongo was retrieving the puck from behind him. Yeah, you know, and like I said, it was one of those quote-unquote scheduled losses. Roberto Luongo didn't come out ready to go. I think that was very clear. Yeah, he um, was not ready to go. I do, not look at, I do not look at that game like it was a game where the Bruins were in his head. I just think that that was one of those scheduled losses, and Border probably should have started Montoya in that game. I just don't trust Luongo, though. Do you? <laughs> if if he's not playing the Bruins? Yeah. No, I, I, in a big game. like I don't look to Luongo. And I, I just don't trust him. I would if he's not playing the Bruins. I mean, I, he he's played a lot of big games in Vancouver. So yeah, and they and they they were always one of the better teams, and, and they never seemed to win a cup. And I'm not blaming just him. I'm not. I don't. I, if, it, if it seems that way, I'm not. I just feel like he's not one of those goaltenders that can after, elevate. After the, after the cup, I think that Vancouver held him up to dry. That doesn't shock me one bit in the games in the years after the cup. But I think that in the past, Longo has been a really one of the better goaltenders in the league, and he did lead Vancouver to the Cup the same way Rask led Boston to a Cup, and you kind of got to look at Tuka Rask and Roberto Luongo in the same way. Fair enough, and then um, I just think some for some reason Luongo seems to really always have his bad games against the Bruins. Does it not seem that way, though? Oh, it does seem that way. Well, I can only, in the last, yes, most of his games against the Bruins have been awful. I can't think of a game where it hasn't. But, uh, the line of Bergeron, Martian, and Stepniak has easily by far been the best Bruins line um, all season long. I think they came out and they really – Bergeron scored in the first about minute of the game. And then it was just – that line has been major, major, major key into, for the Bruins' success. Yeah, no, it has. You know – Julian did a good job of matching up Stepniak with Bergeron and Marchand, and the experience is really playing out. Oh, excuse me. Yes, it is. And yes, the Bruins are up three nothing. Florida scored, but you know, oh, this is what I wanted to get to. Um, David Pashnik scores the second goal. The Bruins go up two nothing on a beautiful pass by Matt Pulaski. Beautiful finish by uh, David David Pashnik. 
Um, and all of a sudden, you, you get Florida challenging the play. Yes, the offsides rule. And Which is getting old really quickly. It was inconclusive to see if Pashnik was offsides because the way Bolesky was carrying the puck. And I'm sorry, this this ruling and the offsides rule and the challenge rule is really pissing me off now. It happened in Washington when Tory Krug's goal got called back. Then, then Florida's doing it, and then Julian's doing it, and then all of a sudden you, you literally sit there and you just go, what the hell is going on? I want to watch hockey. Hockey's supposed to be a quick, fast game, two and a half hours. Now you're sitting there and you have to w- look at the referee, go over to the uh, scoring box, and look at the play through an iPhone pretty much. The things, the screen's about <laughs> the si- size of an iPhone. And I have an iPhone, and if, you, if you're looking at a play online, you can't tell if the play's offsides or not from an iPhone. And I just think it's a ridiculous rule for a league that's trying to score more goals. And, you it, know, and you're trying to... Offsides needs to be called loosely. It's, they're, it's they're, there to make sure players don't cherry pick. Exa- and they're calling offsides on plays that are like a touch offsides or like a millimeter offsides. Let those plays go. Like, I don't... Under, like, that's the whole reason. It's They're going to make their change to that, and I heard nearly... A, I heard Neely on Felger and Mads this past week, and they talked how Neely said, if your foot's still behind the line, even though if it's not on the ice, that should be on sides, and that's what's happening. But one but one game, it's offside. The next game, it's a goal, and it's taking about four or five minutes to review this stupid play. The refs can barely see it. Or if, you, if you're going to have this replay rule, put cameras on the blue line, so that way you can see if it's clearly offsides or not. You can't be having cameras from this angle and that angle and this angle. Because you can't tell if they're offsides or not. You really can't. I think it's an absolutely ridiculous rule. I think that they need to get rid of the challenge for it completely and stop trying to call it that close and let the players play. Yeah. It's abs- it's just, the, the, these leagues that have introduced replay have all but ruined these leagues. You get, you know, In football, you, you don't even know what a catch is. And now in hockey, you're beginning to question what a goal is. It's it's bad. And it's I ridiculous. Never, I never thought hockey would get to this point. I always thought hockey was one of the best where it comes to the refs. I thought it was always the best when it came to, you know, letting the players play and letting the players figure it out and control what they can control. But I hate sitting there and watching replay for 10 minutes a game. And the Bruins and Panthers game lasted a little bit over three hours. And I'm sitting there going... I want to go to bed, I want, I, but I want to watch the game, obviously, because it was a close game, but it's like, this game could have been over a half hour ago. Yes, no, the rule is ridiculous, and the NHL needs to change it going into the offseason. They need to change it, for sure. But yeah, the Bruins were up 3 nothing in that period, uh, relatively early, and then, obviously, Florida scored, the Bruins challenged it, Yarmo Yager tied in third all, all-time points with all-time points, yes, so that's what Yager did against the Bruins, good for him. It wasn't. It, he didn't tie. He got it. He oh, he broke took it, it over. Yeah. Well, passed him or whatever. Yeah, took sole possession of third place. Passed Gordie Howe. Yeah. So thanks you for telling me that. Yarmir Yager, the third most leading scorer in the NHL history. What a, he's amazing. Because like you watch him and you sit, you go, this guy's forty-four years old, but it doesn't seem like he's forty-four years old with the way he plays on the ice. Well, he plays like he's still young, and he's done a good job of taking care of himself too. He reminds me of Tom Brady. Both those players getting up there in age, just defying the odds, playing great, and not looking like they miss a beat out there. No, exactly. It's been incredible to watch for Yager, and I know he's got a few years left in him. Yeah. He, he definitely wants to keep playing. It's been great, and um, it's been great to see. So, yeah, so, uh, Florida Cousins of the Bruins lead makes it 3-1, to one, and the Bruins get it right back and end up scoring scoring again to make it 4-1 to one to end the period. And, and you sit there, you go, okay, here we go, Bruins meet, and you and I discussed earlier this week, we are like, like, whoa, this, if this team's going to play like this, watch out. And it was four. And then all of a sudden, the second period comes around. And then you have the Bruins, Florida just completely, completely dominated the Bruins. Absolutely dominated the Bruins that period. And you just go, okay, here we go. This is the Bruins team I'm used to. One period they play well, the next period they play bad. And then the Bruins gave up the, gave up the, gave up two goals. Now they're up four to three going into the third period. You sit there and go, this is going to be a game. It's going to be a dogfight to hopefully get two points here. And that's exactly what happened. And they far scored to tie it up with about with four minutes, four minutes left, in the, left in the game. Uh, Yuri Hudler tied it up, scored a second of the game. And you just go, okay, hopefully the Bruins. Here we go again. We've seen this before. Hopefully the Bruins can get two points, though. Because I think you were just trying to escape Florida with two points, move on. 
tighten up defensively after the game because the Bruins were atrocious defensively against Florida. Absolutely atrocious. They give almost over fifty. They have fifty-one shots against to Florida. That's that's uncalled for. That I mean, that's that's you can't be doing that. And that's and that's why I keep on saying, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, is that the Bruins aren't going to be your quote-unquote normal playoff team. Like, yes, you know, if they if they would have made it in eight, they would have barely made it. But this is the issues that a lot of these teams that go from eight to the cup, like the Kings did a few years ago. These teams don't have those issues. These teams can hold on to leads. These teams can close games. It's the biggest thing they keep an eye on. It definitely is one of the big things to keep an eye on. The Bruins' inability to hold leads because they definitely have blown two goal leads quite a few times this year as well. Um, so it's definitely something to keep your eye on. But then, so the Bruins going to overtime. You're hoping to get an extra point there. And Lee Stepniak scores his first goal as a Bruin in overtime. On a great shot right over the um, Al Montoya's glove. And that was a goal scorer's goal there. Absolutely unbelievable shot there by Stepniak to get his first goal as a Bruin. No, it was. It was nice to see him score his first goal as a Bruin. And that was a great shot. Great shot. So the Bruins got two points. And that, with the two points, it gave Claude Julien the most wins in Bruins history as a coach to pass the great Art Ross. Yes, and I know everybody's sitting here like, oh, great, Julian just passed out Ross. No point in firing him now, right? That's the mindset in people. I still, I, I'm not going to say fire him just yet because the Bruins are going to make the playoffs, but I don't like the way the Bruins play when they, with the, when they play those kinds of games. Sometimes I agree with you there. Uh, just going to throw it out there that uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins fired Dan Bilesma after they're making the conference finals. So I'm just going to throw that out there and say not every, not co- every coach is untouchable. So just throwing that out there. Nothing nothing major. But oh, good to know. Uh, anyway, so but yeah, at least the next coach's first goal is the Bruin. Really great show, as we said. And you know what? The Bruins got two points in, you know, they're tied with Florida and points. Florida, with, Florida was cruising along with the Atlantic Division crown. You remember that earlier on the year? Florida was. Oh, they held it for like three months. Yeah, and they were ahead by like ten points at one point. You remember that? They were like beating everyone. They were like, they were on a stretch of like twelve or thirteen straight wins. And then they did the same thing Montreal did. Now they're in the middle. Now they're back to the pack. Yeah, they're in third place right now in the division. But the Bruins and Tampa caught Florida. So, and it's not like the Bruins and Tampa Bay have gone on absolutely like ten game win streaks. Florida, I think, has just been playing bad. Yeah, I know. Florida's been struggling. I will not disagree with that. They've been struggling towards the end of the season. It's like they're losing their legs, and that's what that's what happens when you have a young team. And they're very young. They are very young. They have, they're, they have a lot of... And you have to wonder about the trade deadline that they're trying to get chemistry with these newer players, so... Yeah, you have to wonder about that, but they are a young team. Very fun to watch, though. Very very skilled. They they, they work hard. They bring it. Yeah, very fun team down there in Florida. They're going to be good for a few years. They're building something down there. You can see it. Yes, Vincent Trocek, I think, is a really good player for Florida as well. I like Huberto still. Huberto is one, one of my uh, favorite players. Yes, Huber- I think they needed him for sure. Huberto and Barkov on the same line is whew, very two young, skilled forwards there that play together. Absolutely. And then you have Boston going to Tampa the next night, and that game was crazy. This game was absolutely insane, intense. Playoff atmosphere, the drama, the suspense. It was that was playoff hockey right there. When you think of playoff hockey, that was the game you look to this year and say, Bruins Lightning. And even though the game was only one nothing and the Bruins ended up winning it in overtime, ten seconds in on Brad Marchand's team leading thirty fourth goal of the year. And You think he's gonna hit forty? It's gonna be tight, but I'm I'm gonna say yes. Same here. I think he can I think he can hit forty. It's going to be close. We're going to have to wait and see on that one. But obviously, I'm rooting for them to get 40. I want them to get 40. But, yeah, this, this Bruins-Lightning game was back and forth. Both goaltenders were making unbelievable saves. You had Gustafson on one end. You had Bishop on the other end. But Tampa Bay brought it. The Bruins were on the heat. And by another game, 42 shots for Tampa Bay. Yeah, but the Bruins, the Bruins had close. The Bruins played a great game, though. They had some great opportunities. I'm not going to argue the shots on that one, but the Bruins, play, the Bruins played had some great opportunities. They could have scored. Right, I, that that game to me was a back and forth type game. And even though Tampa Bay might have had a few more shots than the Bruins, the Bruins had over 30. Didn't seem it. The Bruins had when over yeah. The Bruins had over 30. They had, I think they had close to 35 shots. 
So that 33. 33. At the stats right here. Yeah, so like the game was pretty even, even though Tampa Bay outshot the Bruins by about seven or eight, nine. The game was close, though. I don't know. It was it was a really good game. I was very impressed with that game. It was good to see Jonas Gustafsson come in and give Rask the rest that he needed. Absolutely, because the Rask didn't need a rest. Rask's been playing so many games lately. He's been really, I think, played like the last ten games before that Gustafsson start. So, yeah, the the Rask needed that, and it was good for Gus to get rewarded because Gustafsson kind of went on that stretch earlier on this year. Remember that when he had the really when he started out really really hot. And then he kind of just tailed off. So it's good to see that Gustin get get a good game back under his belt. No, you need it, especially with this with this run coming up because he'll be playing a few games this week for sure. Yeah, he might be playing a few, we'll a few, a few games like the next few weeks, I should say. Yeah, because you can't you can't just rely on Rask for the next what is it seventeen games? Yeah. So yeah, you can't just do that. But the Bruins get another overtime win, get two more points. And they tied Tampa Bay for a soul for the division tie for the division lead. Excuse me, there for the first time all season long, the Bruins are tied for first with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was obviously was ahead of them if the playoffs started because Tampa Bay played one less game, so Tampa Bay obviously had a game in hand. So, but you know what, the uh, the Bruins are battling there. That they're right tied for first place. That's the same situation with Florida, who has two games in hand. Correct. But you know what? The Bruins are in first place right now. That's all I'm going to say. No, that's all you need to say. They're in first place right now. How will, will that be the same way at the end of the season? Who knows? Can't predict that. Who knows is right. That's absolutely right. Who knows? But so another over, I mean, another overtime win for the Bruins. Another two points, and then you're sitting there. And you and I talked about it after the Tampa game. You were like, "That was a fun game to watch." And the first thing I said to you was, "I hope the Bruins don't lay an egg Thursday night against Carolina." You said that a long time ago, and I think you had that thing predicted perfectly. I, you, this was this has been your week so far. I just know the Bruins. I just know how they are. They, you, you sit there, right? Everyone's watching them now because you know football's over. Football's over. Everyone's like, okay, let's start focusing on the Bruins now. The Bruins are making the trade deadline happen with the NHL, and the Bruins didn't trade Louie. And you have some some um, media people saying, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't believe they didn't trade Louie. Then you have some saying. I'm glad they didn't trade him. I'm glad they added uh, Lyles and Stepniak. And let's see how the far the Bruins can go. So everyone was watching them now, and they were playing good teams. Chicago, uh, Washington, Florida, Tampa Bay, four of the top teams in the league. are sitting there going, okay, Bruins, show us what you got. And they get a possible nine, eight, I mean, seven out of eight points against those four teams. They lost to Washington in overtime. And you go, okay, the Bruins are building something here. They're playing well. They're playing these tough teams hard. They're winning the games. But you don't look at that and say, you know what, they lost in overtime to, to Washington. But you, sit, you don't sit there and say, that was a bad loss because the Bruins played well. I'm sorry, losing to Carolina in overtime to me is a bad loss. You are better than Carolina. You have played better teams than Carolina for the past week and a half to two weeks. I'm sorry that game should have been a win. And losing that game, even though everyone's talking about, oh, you get a point, you're in first place. I don't care. I mean, I care about being in first place, but I am pissed off at how they're in first place because that game pissed me off because that was typical Bruins that we've talked about all year round. The Bruins are inconsistent. When it, when they, they play well one game, the next game they show up and you just go, what the hell is this team doing? Because that game should have been a... Uh, easy win. And that first goal, that first goal Sugaras gave up was a soft goal. It was. Just going to say. I agree. 100% agree with you there. Rask has to save that on to uh, keep the game 0-0. But even though Rask did live up a bad goal, the Bruins should have. The Bruins didn't play that well in this game. They, were, they didn't show up. They, were out, they played down. They were out shooting they, Carolina, but they didn't play that well. And this game just really made me mad. I'm sorry because this is what I'm saying. These are the teams you need two points against. We know who's coming up next this week. This week's going to be absolutely... The Islanders today are going to be no walk in the park. No, and then we know who they're playing the next three games, which is going to be no walk in the park either. Yeah, and the next three games, they could go three. They could go 0-3 easily if they play the way they play against Carolina. And that's why it pissed me off, because you're playing playoff teams, and even though Carolina is not a playoff team, they're fighting for their lives to get into the playoffs. You know they're going to come to ready to play. You should have come ready to play too. And you know what? You know what you could have done too, Bruins? You could have gotten a winning record at home for the first time all season long. You were 15-15. and 15. You could have went over 500 at home for the first time all season long. 
and you lose to Carolina to get your record of 15 and 16. Oh, this loss was just so bad. It's awful, but it's, you know, this is, this is why I say, and I constantly say it, there's, there's no guarantee when it comes to the Bruins, especially the next three games coming up. I mean, look at Philadelphia, who's sitting there hanging on They're playing two, really points well. from, two points from Detroit, right? They're playing well. Now, do the math. Detroit has two games in hand on Boston, so it's, they have 77 points right now, plus four if they get two of those, two wins with 81. If Boston loses this next three, there's no guarantee, no guarantee that the Bruins will make the playoffs. This a, Not yet. It was a while back, too, that Philadelphia was a team to look out for for the playoffs. That Philadelphia team scares me. Yeah, you said that a while back. You said you said if any team's going to make a push to – Get in the playoffs. It's not going to be New Jersey. It's not going to be Carolina. It's going to be Philadelphia. So good call on that. Philadelphia is right there. We'll have to see if Philadelphia can end up getting into the playoffs. But uh, it all depends on the way the the only thing the Bruins can control are the Bruins, and they got four tough games coming up all in a row over the next two weeks. These other teams can catch them if the Bruins lose four straight. Agreed, and then that's why last night, I mean Thursday night, excuse me, was so aggravating for me as a fan because that should have been two points to get. Another point to you know keep get climbing in the standings. I'm not, I don't even care about climbing in the standings so much as being in first place because I I think if the Bruins finish one two three in the division that's fine because you're gonna play you pretty much know who you're playing anyways. But I just they needed to win an extra point there because like you said Detroit's behind them, Philadelphia's behind them, and Pittsburgh's in the wild card too. And all three of those teams are playing well right now. And they still have to play Detroit once more. Yes, they do, and they still have to play Florida once more as well, so that would be fun. And that's a home game. Both of them are home games. So that should be very games, fun. Yes, they are, they are, you're right. They're both at home, so that should both be fun if they can ever win their home. Yeah, if they can ever win a home game for once and, you know, show your fans that, you know, you can play well at home. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. But, I mean, you have to look at it in the next two weeks. They have five starting today. They have Five, six really tough games in a row. But you know what? A lot of them are on the road, and I think that, that works out better for the Bruins because for some reason they play better on the road. True, but these the San Jose Sharks and the Ducks and LA Kings, specifically the Ducks and the Kings, doesn't matter whether, whether it's the home or the road. Good luck getting past them. After the, your goal should be to hang in there and barely lose compared to the fact that you just gave up nine goals to the Kings at home a few months ago and six goals at home to the Ducks a few months ago. I'm gonna play it based on that. Yep, we'll wait and see. We'll talk about we'll break down these games and get our predictions a little bit later on. But yeah, this Carolina game really pissed me off, and it was just prototypical Bruins. You knew it was gonna happen, and you sit there and you just go, "Yep, same old Bruins, same old Bruins." Also, one other thing, while I'm looking at the standings, Philadelphia has a game in hand on Detroit right now. So technically, if they were to win, they'd be tied with Detroit. Oh, that's juicy. That's a juicy thing that you just brought up there. Philadelphia won last night, too. They beat Tampa Bay, which helped out the Bruins, surprisingly. But Philadelphia is scorching hot right now. I want. I would want no part of them in a playoff series right now. No, I wouldn't want to play them. Not with Shane Goss, the spare player, and the way he's playing. And, and they have studs at forward, too. And I did say it. When Claude Giroux came back, this team was going to get hot. And Claude Giroux is back. Yeah, that team's scary. Wayne Simmons, Voracek, Giroux. They have, yeah, you said Golf the Spirit playing well. They're, they're, they could be a force in the playoffs, and that's and they're playing well under their new coach that they got this year. That's a, Dave Hackstall. Yeah, yep. that's, a, that's a scary, scary situation for any team in the playoffs. I mean, that could be the team that Bru- if the Bruins choke. That could be the team the Bruins lose out to. And, Phil, I mean, uh, and Philly has played three less games than the Bruins. Yep. So you figure if, so. They, if they win, I mean, it's obviously it's tough in NHL, but say they win those three games, right? So they put, so that will put them at 81 points. The Bruins only have 84. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm saying only 84, but. But that, now, now you see the math I was doing with Detroit too, right? Yes, I do. The same, the same situation. Yeah, it would be three. Yes, it's the same situation. I see that. And even, even Pittsburgh, two games back, if they win both those games, they're two points behind same you. Thing. They're two points behind you. And I know I'm doing a lot of what-ifs here, but that just shows how crucial that extra point could have been in Carolina. How? Yes, exactly. How crucial those extra points are, how crucial those points are that you gave up in the beginning of the season. Because the Bruins need every point they can get. And and I'm sorry, if they lost in overtime to Tampa Bay, 
and they beat Carolina in regulation, I would have been a, I would have felt a whole lot better about it than them beating Tampa Bay. Oh, over. I would easily because, easily I would have felt a whole lot better about it because you lose to Tampa Bay, who's the better team, and you beat the team you should beat. That's why I would have felt better about it. I'm not saying I would have accepted the Bruins lost it because I probably still would have wanted the Bruins to win, obviously. But if you're going to lose a game, lose a game in overtime to one of those like Florida or Tampa Bay. Don't lose to Carolina. Although, like you said earlier, Carolina has been playing for the playoff live, so they kind of they showed up to play. They did. They are they're five. They're four points back of a playoff spot. Surprisingly, I don't think they'll make. It. I don't think they'll get past Philadelphia, but they are surprising. No, they won't get past Philadelphia because they have two games in hand. I don't think they'll pass Philadelphia as well. I think Philadelphia has been playing tremendous as of late, and uh, actually. Now that I think about Philadelphia, just to throw it out there, they're playing Florida tonight. It's a game to keep an eye on, Bruins fans. Yeah, well, the Bruins have to win today for that to even matter. Yep. So and that game in the so afternoon. So we'll have to wait and see there. So uh, that, that was the Bruins games this week. Uh, Jason, you said you wanted to touch on uh, the Providence Bruins and the junior team this week, and I agree with you wholeheartedly because we haven't done that in quite some time. And you know what? The college hockey tournament, NCAA tournament, is coming up where um, – all the best 16 college hockey teams will compete for the championship. And there should be a decent amount of Bruins prospects in this tournament. And you said you have some you want to talk about, Matt Grizzlick, right? Matt Grizzlick, Denton Heinen, and Ryan Fitzgerald, also Anders Bjork, have all been playing strong. Ryan Fitzgerald's a Boston College center, and this is why I kind of made the uh, David Krejci possible trade comment and going into the offseason. Because Ryan Fitzgerald is leading Boston College in points and goals at the moment, and whenever uh, Fitzgerald scores a point, the Fitzgeralds of the uh, Eagles have been 17-0-3 this season. Really? So that's something to watch out for. Yes. That's just, that's that that shows that he's a very very good player, and that shows when he's producing, they're a tough team to beat. And that's why the Bruins you should keep an eye out for that because the Bruins are going to need to make space for a center with Noel Achari playing the way he is on the fourth line. You can very very He's clearly awesome, tell that Ryan, he has been. And with the, with that being said, that means I'm going to say the way he's Fitzgerald's playing at Boston College. I wouldn't be shocked if Fitzgerald's a first or second line type center. Yeah, he's more of a skilled player than Achari is. Achari's one of those defensive, responsible, work hard type centers. Fitzgerald's very skilled. He's been a I've seen him play a couple times before. He, before he went to BC, I've seen him at BC. Very, very skilled player. Smart, smart player. Yeah, he's more, plus twenty-five rating on the ice. Yeah, he's more of a top, top line center than he is a bottom line, like a bottom, bottom three center. So I mean, that gives you options. You can dangle David Krejci out this summer if Fitzgerald's got I, that potential. I, I think this I summer, think maybe not this summer, maybe next summer. I think for, I yeah, say, I think Fitzgerald's gonna go back to BC next year and finish out his his career. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, Fitzgerald's been a Fitzgerald's been a good draft pick for the Bruins. He's very, very good, very skilled. Um, well, I look forward to seeing what he can do. Yes, and then uh, with uh, Anders Bjork, he uh, ended the season as the leading scorer for the Fighting Irish. In 32 games, he, the left wing tallied 11 goals and 21 assists. He also has a plus 26 rating. He's a left wing. Yeah, he's, he put both for the uh, USA World Juniors team as well. We talked about him briefly there. Uh, very impressive player. He works hard, in-your-face type player. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing so far, though. And also, um, Matt Grizzlick, a D-man. This is, we're going to talk defense here because the Bruins need to find a way to improve their defense. He helped lead the uh, Terriers to a two-game sweep of UMass in the end of the regular season with nine goals, ten assists, and 22 games. Ten of, ten of his 19 points came on the main advantage. Yep, there you go, Matt Grizzlick. And um, local kid, Charlestown native. Uh the captain of BU for two years now. Uh, he has been battling some some injuries. He's been battling the injury bug for quite some time with his with his knee and his leg. But he, as you as you just say that as you just saw there, nineteen points in twenty two games. Point ten of them on the, ten of them on the man. Pretty much a point per game player on the as a defenseman in college hockey is pretty good. Even though ten of them are on the on the man advantage, it shows that he helps with your power play. Um, very very skilled, very very smart, makes great outlet passes. Well, I think that was a very good pick by Don Sweeney and the Bruins. And uh, when BU season's out, I'll be hope- interesting to see if if he goes to Providence or if he comes here or what what's going to go on with him because he is a rest- he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year if he chooses not to sign. So he that's one player to keep your eye on, Bruins fans. 
Yep, and then you have Danton Heinen, another center out of Denver for the Pioneers in the NCAA. He, obviously, he had a slow start to the season, but in his final 10 games, he tallied 8 goals and 12 assists for 20 points. So you're talking about 2 points a game. Yeah, that's, he picked that's up an, it's very good to see. He picked up uh, an assist in the playoff game, which uh, in his first playoff game, and he also picked up another assist against the University of Nebraska-Omaha to help, his t- help Denver win those games, too. Yeah, and uh, we talked about him earlier on, too, and how he was a fourth-round pick. He was kind of a steal for the Bruins in the late rounds. He's turned out to be a great player so far. And, yeah, we talked about him earlier on this year, and he, he seemed to be, uh, you know, struggling a little bit. But I'm glad to see he's doing well now, and he's really catching fire at the right time, playoff time. Yep, and then um, I'm going to go into Jakob Zaboro, another D-man from QM, the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He has played in five games and since the last time Kevin looked at him, and uh, he obviously he struggled when it comes to goal scoring this season. He had one goal, uh, not one goal, one assist. He has six goals, 13 assists in 43 games. Last season as a rookie he in the QMJHL, he registered 33 points in 44 games. He said he has looked on, good on the defensive side because he's a defenseman, but you have to wonder about the yeah, points. So. You know what, though? With defensemen and points, you kind of look at it and say, if he's not like an offensive skilled defenseman, I'd rather him just play solid defensively. He has 19 points, and you said about like what 40 something games. That's still like a half a point per. 43. That's like a, still like a half a point per game type role as a defenseman. You know what? I'll take it. As long as he. I'll take it. I'll take it too if he can play defense. Exactly. If he's playing a shutdown shutdown role, playing solid defensively, I'll take that any day of the week. So um, I have I have not seen Zaboro play since the World Junior Tournament. It's tough to see a lot. A lot of these teams play in a lot of games because the Borough isn't playing locally around here. But I'm going to take uh, his word for it, and hopefully he's playing solid defensively. And then I have his uh, report from that week before when he wanted to talk about Sinishin and Jeremy Lawson. I did want to bring up Jeremy Lawson because I have seen his name come up constantly on my feeds. In his last three games, he's tallied a goal and two assists and improved his season total to six goals and 34 assists. I mean, the last two games that I've seen on my iPod, which probably doesn't include what Kevin had from two weeks ago, he scored like two or three goals. So Yeah, Lawson's been a, we've been talking about Lawson on this show for quite some time. and I'm gonna, Another D-man who would keep an eye out for. Absolutely. I mean, the Bruins have options. He's definitely a D-man to keep an eye out for. He's been producing real, He's been producing at an alarming rate as a defenseman. As you said, six goals, 34 assists, right? 40 points. Yes. Yep, 34, uh, 30, uh, that on, on Kevin's sheet, it's got, he has 34 assists, but I'm guessing he probably has a lot more than that at this point. Yeah, he's been playing great, tremendous tremendous defenseman. And also, I wanted to touch on Zach Sinitian quickly. He's been lighting it up recently. He's been scoring goals at an alarming rate. And we knew this when the Bruins drafted him. We said, this kid's a goal scorer. Let's watch out for him. And you know what? He's, that's what he's doing. He's scoring goals. Yeah, no, he is. Zach Sinitian's been playing great in the OHL. For sure. He's been the Bruins' best first-round pick so far, and he was the one that was questioned the most. Yeah, no, he has. He's the one that was questioned the most, and he has been a great first-round pick. But you have goal-scoring and points, and you see how the Bruins handle a lot of these other players in AHL that have goal-scoring and a lot of points. You want to keep an eye out for that and make sure that you can translate that to the to the uh, AHL or NHL level and become a solid player. Also, Because I think that's what the Bruins are looking for, a solid. Right, and the last player I want to touch on is Jesse Gabriel. It was a Bruins fourth-round pick a few years back in the WHL. He was the first Bruins prospect to score, to score 40 goals this year. He beat Zach Sinitian in scoring 40. Wow. Sinitian had 39 when Gabriel's got his 40th goal. So That's incredible. I, I've heard comparisons of Jesse Gabriel to a Marshawn-type player. And also, one other player, uh, Brandon Carlo, another uh, World Juniors player. From when Kevin last checked on him, he had two goals, 20 assists in 41 games. He was picking up fighting majors and getting, he has about over 80 penalty minutes. Love that. Carlo looks Love like, that. Carlo looks like the uh, guy that could be the closest to being on the Bruins blue line. Love that. Keep playing physical. Love that. And he has 20, 22 points. You know what? I love that from Brandon Carlo. He was, I thought he played really, really well in the World Juniors for Team USA. No, I like seeing that. I think that you have, for the defenseman, I would look at Brendan Carlo and Jeremy Lawson as the players to watch out for. Absolutely, I agree with you there. So, and let's, let's touch on Providence quickly and discuss how Frank Vetrano was making the AHL pretty much his 
We won't go there. Yeah. I mean, we, we will go there, but we won't go there with the word that we're thinking. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> every game you look at, Frank Vertrano's scoring in. Every game. Yep. But why have the Bruins not called him back up? Uh, I just don't think they have a, a place to put him right now. And I don't think Claude, I don't think Sweeney wants him to play on the fourth line, to be honest. And that's probably the only spot you can probably put him at is the fourth line because they have Bolesky, Marshan, and Louis as their left wingers right now. And I think they're trying to work on Pashnik becoming a good right winger. And they don't want to switch up, you know, Erickson to his offside or Marshan to his offside. Do you think that they're waiting until next year when Erickson goes? Like, they're already prepping for Erickson. I think Vitrano will be in the top nine. Unless, unless if they dangle Vitrano in a trade. That could possibly be, too. They'll have to wait and see about what goes on there. But Vitrano's been playing great down in Providence. And, and he's going to get a shot on an NHL team next year, whether it's the Bruins or whether the Bruins trade him. He'll be in the he'll be in the top not he'll be in the top three lines of an NHL team next year to get to get a shot. He has to be to at least get a shot and see if he can translate those skills completely in the NHL. I mean, I know he had a shot this year, but he didn't get. I don't think he got a long enough shot to be able to prove it. All right then, you have um, Meathead Zach Ronaldo gets put on waivers, gets sent down to the to the AHL after being suspended by the NHL, and what's what's he do? Gets himself suspended in both leagues like an absolute moron. Yeah, it's he's just playing reckless. Like, he just didn't care. God, this just shows why Zach Ronaldo was never going to change. I'm sorry. I thought Me and you thought he turned a corner a little bit maybe here, and the, he wasn't really, like, uh, taking stupid penalties and making stupid hits. But, boy, that he just, did this, he just showed us why he's Zach Ronaldo in one week. Oh, absolutely. And uh, while we're running out of time at the moment, I want to get into this quickly some of the NHL news because there's been a few big things around the league this week. The uh, outdoor games were announced. Yeah, they were announced. You have Detroit going to Toronto for an outdoor game. You That's yeah, the Centennial the, Classic. The Winter Classic will be Chicago traveling to St. Louis. And then the other stadium scheme is Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. And if and I'm the NHL, I'm sorry. I would have made, made Pittsburgh and Philadelphia the Winter Classic. I would have accepted you. Had, you've had well, except the Bruins. The Bruins are the only team that have been in a Winter Classic twice. No, they're not because Chicago has been too. But the Bruins have hosted. I would have twice. made Pittsburgh. I would have made Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, the Classic, for sure. That's a way better rivalry, in my opinion, than Chicago and St. Louis. And maybe I'm being a little East Coast biased here, but you just look at Florida. Or, I mean, not Florida. You look at Philly and Pittsburgh, and you just go hatred. Look and, at the playoffs a few years ago. The blood, the broad that street. Was the, that was the best that. series. That was the one best of the best series, series I've ever watched. Yeah, and that was the best. That was the like, I want Philadelphia to make the playoffs, and I want Pittsburgh to make the playoffs just for the sake of maybe possibly seeing that again. The, the Bruins were in the playoffs that year when that series was going on, and I and I'm not kidding. I'd rather have watched the Philadelphia Pittsburgh series than the Bruins series. That was the year the Bruins played the Capitals, right? Yeah, that that's snooze fest. Yeah, no, I would have rather watched Philadelphia Pittsburgh thing easily. Yep, that's in the easily. So that I, that's just the one tweak I would have had. I would have had that maybe be the the uh, winter classic. But hey, well, um, that, they all get an outdoor game now, and also the Heritage Classic will be between Edmonton and, and Winnipeg in Winnipeg. That's the Canadian pretty much version of the winter classic. Yep, and uh, importantly to note that the uh, the Centennial Classic, as they're calling it, will be Detroit and Toronto. Probably uh, to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Toronto and all that. Yes, it'll be in Toronto, which I think is great. You give a, you give the Canadian team a, a winner classic. A winner classic as well. Also, yes, no, it, also, it, is, it is great. They're back-to-back days, too. Tor- uh, Detroit playing at Toronto on January 1st, and then the winner classic this year is on January 2nd. It's a lot of hockey to watch out for. I'm really going to be excited to watch it for sure. And uh, I didn't realize this, but the Heritage Classic is in October. Yeah, they do it in October, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's weird. Especially because it's not going to be like, oh, I don't know, it's Canada, so maybe it'll be pretty cool. I mean, not e- not even three weeks after the World Cup of Hockey. Yeah, good point there. Also, um, Jonathan Drouin stopped being a baby, Jason. Yeah, I heard. He won't be on, he won't be on the Tampa Bay Lightning again. No, definitely not, but... He, returned, he I guess he had a meeting with Steve Eiserman, uh GM of Tampa, and said he wants to come back. And it's been like, dude, you could you could have just been playing all season and not been an absolute baby and took your ball and went home. 
Yeah, the damage he did with that team is irreparable. And his, whether or not he goes to another team, you can't repair that damage. His reputation is awful right now. Who would want him? He just I wouldn't. He just left his team and didn't said, you know what, screw you guys. Yeah, and that's not the attitude you want from a hockey player. Even if the agent is telling you to do it, that's not the attitude you want. No, absolutely not. That's that's a show that that's horrible. You're being an absolute baby, you're not being a professional. It just makes you look really bad. And, and like I said, it's it's he's back in the NHL. We'll see how the Tampa Bay Lightning handle him. If I were Tampa Bay, I would hang on to him, leave him in the AHL, and let him suffer. That's probably what's going to happen for the rest of the, this year, at least. Oh, that's exactly what's going to happen for the rest of this year. I would do it next year too, just to send the message. Let him let him write out his contract in the AHL. He'll learn a lesson. Yep. So, uh, any, anything else you want to touch on, Jason, before we get into our predictions for this week? Uh, no, that's about it. I wanted to, I wanted to get into those classic in the um, outdoor games because that's big news for the NHL. It is big news for the NHL. There wasn't really that much to talk about this week. This week was kind of a slow week in the NHL. Besides the Winter Classic being announced and the outdoor games being announced. But for the most part, it's been a relatively slow week for news. But obviously you got big news also, like you said, from Jonathan Drouin reporting back to Tampa Bay. Yes, that was big news for sure because of the holdout that he had and how much news that had over the trade deadline. Uh, so yes, the Bruins—they will have—they'll um, have a two, two, three tough games this week. I mean, I don't know if with uh, Jason and I might be doing the show next Sunday or or next Saturday. We're unsure yet as of as of schedules, but. So we'll, we'll just give uh, the West Coast trip all three and ones, just in case. How how you feel about that? I was just thinking the same thing. We're on the same page there. Yeah, we'll do it just in case. The Bruins will be in California and playing all three California teams, San Jose, Anaheim, Los Angeles. As Bruins fans, we've seen this before. They've lost to the Sharks 5-4. to four. They lost to the Anaheim 6-2. to two. They lost to the Kings 9-2. to two. This Dude, is going to be an absolute... Who are the top three teams in the Pacific right now? Those three teams. Those three teams. And right, look, if you look at the schedule, the order that they're playing those games, San Jose, Anaheim, LA, so 3-2-1. There you go. So it's going to be an absolute battle. So hard, hard, harder, hardest the next three games after the Islanders game today. Yeah, after the Islanders game today, which I expect the Bruins to win, by the way. I will think, I think they're going to beat the Islanders today. The Islanders goaltender, starting goaltender, Yaroslav Halak got hurt. Uh, I think the Bruins will be able to get it done today. Yeah, I'm mean, going to say the Bruins win today. It's, they, they have to win that game. They have to come out with a fire in their They do. They the need it. And I, feel like the after- they, I feel like the Bruins always play well in afternoon games, too. That, too. Yes, they do play well in afternoon games. What I want to hear is what you think is going to happen on, that, on this uh, Pacific trip. The Bruins will be lucky to get a game. So you're going to go 0-3? I'm going to say one and two. I think the Bruins are going to start off the trip well and beat San Jose. I think the San Jose game is the only game they have a chance in. I'm going to go 0 and 3. Um, I mean, I, I, wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. I think all three teams are tough. The Bruins are good on the road. I will say that. But I don't think the Bruins are going to get blown out like they did at home. I just think these teams are better. And it's going to be- the Bruins played San Jose back in October. And yes, that game was a close game. And. Yes, they did lose, but I think San Jose is a far different team than they were in October. I think they're a far tougher team, and I think that they're really finding their own. I think it will be a close game, but I do not see them beating San Jose. And, if the Bruins Bruin can get an overtime game in here, that'd be great. That would be nice. If they get an overtime game, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. But I'm going to say uh, 0-3, no points. All right, I'm going to say 1-2, and... Two, and- you know what, I'm going to say 1-2, and two, and hopefully one of those games go into overtime that, that they lose. I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm just saying it would be nice if that could happen. But it's going to be a tough three games for the Bruins. Very, very difficult teams. And, it's stink- and, they, be- and they, they have to win today because if they don't win today and they go 0-4, the, bo- the bottom's going to fall out of this team quite quickly. Right. You have you have last week. It would be the typical Bruins. Last week playing well against all playoff teams. This week going uh, losing four straight. It would, be the, it would be the Bruins. And I want to be wrong. Let me make this clear. I want to be wrong this week. But we'll have to wait and see. A tough week for the Bruins. Uh, they all get started today at 1 o'clock on um, Saturday at, on Nesson against the Islanders. That we both, Jason and I, both predicted the Bruins would win. But we'll have to wait and see. So that wraps up our episode. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MikeSetta22 at JasonBuckley91. Please go to uh, CONSRadio.com. We have all Bruins news. We even have Red Sox stuff, Patriots stuff, Celtics stuff. 
whatever you need, please go check out everything on consradio.com. Also, be uh, sure to find us on iTunes, right, Jason? Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. You can find us on the CLNS Radio app, uh, the application store on your uh, mobile phones. And, uh, yes, it's going to be a big week for the Bruins. Yes, it's definitely going to be a huge week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening this week. We hope you tune in next week as well as Jason and I produce this and, and put these podcasts up weekly for everyone to enjoy and discuss the Bruins. So, tough week for the Bruins. Let's see. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, and hopefully hopefully we're not um, slamming them. But we'll have to wait and see. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.